Hello everyone and welcome to the Smart Dreamers podcast, where we dive into the latest news and emerging trends in recruitment and talent acquisition. I'm your host today, Alpar Major, and I'm here with Myris Estrate, who's an industry expert and until recently Chief People Officer at UiPath, one of the fastest growing software companies in the world. In this first episode of the Future of Work series, we'll be talking about how HR teams will need to adapt during and after the coronavirus pandemic. With that in mind, I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy our talk. So, hi, Maris. It's a great pleasure having you today, and thanks, for, thanks for taking time. And uh, for those of our, for, for those of our listeners who don't know uh, don't know about you, can you just tell them a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, sure. So, hi. Uh, thank you for for having me, uh, Obi. Um, I've been working in, uh, in, in the technology domain for my, my entire career, uh, 15 years now. And um, I've, I've worked as a software engineer. Um, I've worked leading uh, large software uh, projects for, for major players in telecom, especially in the semiconductor field. And uh, then for a number of years, I, I was the CEO of a company that was developing HR software. And most recently, uh, Chief People Officer of, of UiPath, the leader in robotic process automation, uh, during the phase of, of uh, let's say, the fast growth of the company from approximately 100 employees to 3,000 by the time I left globally. And today I am um, I'm investing in technology companies and I am advising technology companies who want to grow globally, who want to know how to operate remote teams, how to grow fast and, uh, and establish a footprint um, around the globe and respond to customer needs around the globe. That's great. Thank you so much. And, you know, you mentioned UiPath and uh, robotic process automation, and they've been a real trailblazer when we talk about the future of work and the changes going on in, in how we perceive, you know, work and uh, working in general. And uh, on that note, with this current outbreak of, of coronavirus, uh, we are seeing unprecedented changes in, in, this, in this world of work, if you want. So uh, especially massive increase in remote in remote uh, remote working uh, so basically organizations are forced uh, to consider remote working more of a necessity than previously considered, which is challenging to uh, multiple status quo in our field. So from your perspective, what would be the I don't know top three changes we're going to see next? Well, uh, I, I would I would start with I would start with something that's not related to technology OP. So, and, and I think it's fair to do so by by acknowledging the contribution of the the frontline workers, those who keep us healthy and safe and fed uh, during this time of crisis. Yeah, I think yeah. something that it's something that had slipped under the radar for for a long time. We had forgotten how important. Uh, maybe that that work is so uh, obviously needless to say a uh, big thank you to all the healthcare uh, workers uh, out there doing everything in their power to uh, to 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 help those in um, in dire need of of help and then of course to uh, all the you know law enforcement uh, officers, but also to retailers, to yeah. work, those working in retail and in, in deliveries, uh, you know, bringing our the packages to our door, the food to our door sometimes, uh, yeah. and basically the whole gig economy. If you, yeah, if you think yeah, yeah, and the, the gig economy, but essentially those who are keeping the the, the basic infrastructure uh, running, uh, whether it's energy, 
uh, telecom, retail, right? These are uh, areas of the economy where where the the engines are are still fully fully throttled, and workers need to go uh, to their workplace. Yeah. Sometimes even stay in their workplace without going home in order to ensure that they don't spread the, uh, any possible uh, infection or virus. So um, I, I, I see that there's a sudden awareness with respect to the importance of this work. Uh, it's it's being acknowledged and I can only hope that once the crisis passes, we uh, we we don't uh, forget this. Yeah, um, continue to to acknowledge the the, the couriers of the world and the, the healthcare workers of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which brings me to the second point, which again is not necessarily related to technology directly, but uh, you know the, these sectors we've we've uh, we've just described are very uh, labor intensive. You yeah. can't operate unless there are people working in those in those sectors. I think, given the amount of of, of capital that was available for investment just before this pandemic uh, erupted, we had forgotten, maybe to a certain extent, how labor intensive our economy was, and how much do we actually need the people to, you know, operate the machines, uh, make the deliveries, uh, switch yeah. on the lights, uh, <laughs> switch on the switches, if you wish, yeah. uh, and 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 debug the problems that we have with our, with our communications infrastructure. Um, so uh, it's 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 uh, it's more labor intensive than than we had thought, and that that you know the the, the abundance of capital avail, available for for investment in in, in companies is, is not gone. The capital is still there. It, it doesn't uh, instantly uh, e- evaporate. What has changed, though, or what is about to change, is that the marginal productivity of that of that capital, meaning how much money you can make once you actually make an investment, is is diminishing, which yeah. makes investors more reluctant to place their money, uh, and and the reason for that is that there's there's lower demand, uh, except for the basic services we just described earlier. There's essentially yeah. a, a lower demand, but the, it's not a. I, I don't think it's a reason to be distraught if we look at what happened back in. 2009, 2010. Obviously, circumstances were 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 different because we weren't we were we were talking back then about a general financial crisis, right? A general lack of availability of 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 money. But uh, and right now the context is different. Right now, what's changing, unfortunately, is a bit more dramatic. It's a general lack of demand. Yeah. Um, we are not you know, inclined to order those products or services that we would. In, we used to, yeah. That we used to or that we normally normally would. Uh, still, it's, it's an opportunity for, um, for companies who uh, are capable of providing those essential, uh, essential tools for other businesses or for individuals to keep them, you know, keep them productive, to keep them working, to keep the the, the economic machine uh, turning. I think it's an opportunity for them. We we remember that, you know, we should remember that companies like 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 Slack, uh, which are now you know praised as as collaboration tools being used by by everyone during this crisis, were born in the midst of the previous crisis in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, yeah. and not and not just them. So there are uh, opportunities there, and uh, you know. Again, the capital, unlike unlike the previous crisis, the capital is still there. It, it hasn't vanished. It's just that um, investors will be uh, will be more more cautious about what they're doing. And this brings us to you know to to the last 
point um, or the last change, I think uh, maybe a higher awareness of, of the fact that this is a global economy that, uh, I mean, look, we're up and, and often businesses, even small businesses operate global teams remotely. I mean, I've seen this in businesses that I work with. We've read about this in, uh, you know, in books uh, like, uh, like the one about WordPress or, you know, the case studies about, um, uh, about GitLab, I think. Yeah, GitLab is a very good example of uh, uh, that. Also operates, yeah, yeah. its entire workforce um, uh, remotely. So we're we're seeing uh, there. There's this, you know, um, uh, awareness that hey, uh, we are all connected. We are uh, we are all working uh, uh, globally. I think the change though is that many companies. I don't know that they had realized that actually all of their work can be done remotely. And now okay. that we're all forced to, to stay at home uh, and th- that we've been forced to adapt, I think many companies and even large scale companies uh, become aware that, hey, this, this work can be, or at least let's say the work can, that can be done now can be done remotely. It does not uh-huh. always uh, require a presence in the office. And yes, companies, to come back to your initial uh, point, companies do turn to solutions like, you know, uh, automation, um, uh, so robotic process automation, AI, uh, software tools in general that uh, act as, let's say, catalyzers for uh, for change. They're, they automate their, you know, customer service, their customer support. So we, we see a lot of that happening. Obviously, video conferencing and Needless to talk about that. It's yeah, everything definitely. we do is via video conferencing right now. Um, so yeah, uh, but beyond this, this uh, awareness of the tools and of the collaboration uh, software space, I think there's also the awareness of hey, we are, you know, stronger when we operate uh, global teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are stronger when we have a diversified portfolio of clients across continents and across business domains, right? Yeah. And uh, it's important to, to operate such a global company. And you mentioned the office and that, that, that struck me for, for, for a little bit. Do you think that the, the, the office itself will see changes as in there, there has been this, this boom in office space and mm. flexible office spaces. Do you think companies will, will not come back to your usual uh, own headquartered offices and all that? Do you think it will, it will be a boom in, in flexible uh, working spaces because of what you mentioned that uh, companies are realizing all of their, or whatever, most of their work can, can be done remotely as well? Listen, the, the office space is, there are two sides of the story. The a company's office space is on one hand, a space where, yes, you do need a secure space where some activities need to take place. And sometimes that cannot be a, a co-working space, right? For certain yeah. operations, you need your own office. And I don't think that that is going to, uh, to, to change. Um, on the other hand, you know, people do want a sense of belonging, uh, to to an organization, and if you are not yet strong enough in in operating a culture, in creating that f- framework that allows remote workers to to thrive and to to feel part of something, right, wherever they might be uh, across the globe, that then you're still going to 
to want to have a, a place where people get together to to spend time together to get to know each other better and you know um, and spark those uh, those ideas that that move your organization forward now is that going to be you know a space that you own or that you've leased for five years or is it going to be a co-working space I think it depends from 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 one business to another but when we look at what uh, has happened right now and companies looking for quick solutions to move all of their workforce um, uh, remotely and to be able to work from home. It's obvious that co-working spaces or shared, uh, let's say, offices mm-hmm. or shared working spaces uh, have, uh, ha- have an advantage here. And, you know, to all those uh, thinking uh, about the demise of, of co-working spaces in, 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 in light of the, the let's just say it, the scandals that happened uh, yeah. around a certain uh, brand name last year. Um, I think it's not the case. I think on the contrary, I think there will be a demand uh, for, for these spaces moving forward because beyond those you know, large corporations that have specific uh, security needs or security constraints or privacy constraints and that, they, that, that, that need to operate a workforce in a secure space, you've got a lot of small and medium-sized businesses that are uh, 100% capable of getting together in a, in a shared office space when, when, when they need to. Not that they need to all the time, again, yeah. but when they need to. And I think this is, this is a very good touch point, and especially most of our listeners and uh, are, are in this talent acquisition, HR space. So I think what you mentioned, this sense of belonging, um, mm. culture, some of the buzzwords that, that you used are very important and, and become even more important in this, in this new future in this new uh, way of working, if, mm-hmm. if I may say that. Uh, and could you tell us a little bit about maybe how you did this at UiPath? I know a, a lot of new uh, employees that, that, that opened certain locations, mm-hmm. new, new cities were the first on the ground. Yeah. So how, 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 how can you make sure uh, that, that that first employee, second employee has that sense of belonging, even though he's across the world and not, uh, that doesn't have a big team with him? Well, that's, that's, a, that's, an, that's a very, very good question. Uh, culture is, you know, the, the framework or the operating system, if you wish, uh, on top of which your entire um, organization works, wherever your workers might be. Might be. Um, it, the answer is, is is not easy. I think we had the privilege of of at UiPath of of having built uh, a strong culture uh, around around some things that we we would not compromise on, and that we would all of us would talk about. For example, in the in the interview process. So if a if a candidate, they would typically have four four or five interviews before mm-hmm. um, okay. before having a final decision about whether or not they got the job at UiPath, but they would systematically hear in those interviews uh, those, uh, those values uh, being mentioned. We would talk about them and we would talk about where, where those values stemmed from, what made us believe, believe that that is important for, uh, in that specific case, for UiPath. Now, every company has its own folklore, if I may call it that, right? <laughs> um, our own set of stories that inspired uh, who we are as an organization today. I think talking about these, talking about these systematically, that, that's also very important, right? Not, not mentioning them once 
just frugally in an all yeah, hands. Having but, them, having them on your website or whatever, uh, or just having or them, just that, yeah. or just that, right? I'm talking about you know maybe starting uh, uh, all of your all hands meetings or forums or thank God it's Friday or you know. Uh, whatever that's yeah. that's called that meeting is called with a discussion about values and the culture and how you see it um, uh, you know uh, applied and operated maybe in 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 day to day life in your company or how you've maybe seen cases where it was not respected because you know not to punish them but 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 to mention uh, to mention them and to to acknowledge deviations from from that system of beliefs so I think these are very um, these are very important things so that people f- feel that they belong to that uh, to that culture and guess what people will filter themselves out if they feel they don't belong in 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 such a culture or in such an such an environment uh now obviously as you're building a team globally whether you're building a team that you know you're going to operate remotely or whether it's a, a, a team where you actually have some small offices yeah. maybe in co-working spaces um this is this becomes increasingly increasingly important because you're going to need to trust those people on on the front lines uh, who are in front of your customer to behave you know in a in a in a manner that is convergent with your set of of values um and it's not like you can there's little you can do to test people for culture. You can test people for aptitudes because obviously yeah. their ability to do the job is the best indicator uh, of their potential success in the job. Uh, but you, it's very difficult to test people for, for culture. Um, there isn't an online test you can apply for that. Uh, <laughs> and, and, See here and, the nine steps to fit in. To our... fit in, yeah. And uh, of course, there's a lot of you know situational, behavioral questions that you can ask during the interviews to get a glimpse into you know how how the person would typically behave. But you know, we, it, there's that saying that candidates tend to oversell themselves and companies tend to oversell themselves in the, in the interview process. <laughs> we all know that uh, that happens to a certain extent. And it's difficult in just four or five conversations to uh, capture the full identity of the person or for them to understand, to fully understand the identity of the, of the, of the organization. And so this is why it's important for these, I call them artifacts. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Some famous authors call them symbols, right? Okay. It's important for people to interact with with these symbols of your culture, and furthermore, to see your culture uh, exemplified in 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 day to day behavior within the company. If I'm talking about a culture where people are friendly, they help each other, collaborative, and you enter the company today, and you know you need help, and you write to a colleague on Slack or whatever communication tools uh, he doesn't write back using. And he he writes back without even saying hello or introducing uh, himself. Yeah. Uh, answers maybe maybe they do answer, but in a you know slightly irritated manner, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know uh, telling you uh, in a in a in a very in a, a very non elegant way to cut them some slack and leave them alone. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, cut the slack. Yeah, uh, cut some slack. Pun, in, that, pun that... intended there. But but if <laughs> if. Uh, if if that happens, then obviously there's there's you know in your mind, even though you're not going to say it, but you're you're going to think it. You're going to think that hey, the culture they've been talking about is not it's yeah. not real. It's not what's happening within this company. 
And I think that translates uh, onto employer branding as well, because there's a Absolutely. lot of, you know, like we are this, we do this, and we have some campaigns on social media, or we have some campaigns offline, and then actually, you know, people really interact with your brand and see that, okay, this is not the same as you're yeah. promoting, promoting yourself. But I just want to go back to, to the, this, you know, uh, sense of belonging and culture mm-hmm. and uh, from a more practical practical perspective, what would be your advice to there, a lot of teams, a lot of HR teams have had to, let's say, relocate, uh, home locate uh, hundreds, tens of, of employees from the yeah. office to home. Uh, and how do you make sure that, you know, your current employees who have, I don't know, maybe never worked from home. Uh, yeah. are now are now they now have to to work from home and you still have to maintain that 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 culture and that as you very well said different types of meetings uh what would you recommend in keeping up that that level of energy for example uh, i don't well, know for example hold the monthly all hands hold the weekly yeah, i so don't know what i've seen examples the- with uh with people holding their pets in in, in- <laughs> Of course, (laughs) we've seen example with people holding their kids and and that's not a problem either. Um, uh, Listen, I I think it's important not to pretend that things are exactly the same because they aren't. Uh, And first things first, um, infrastructure. Infrastructure must be first. If all of your workforce is deployed at home and everybody needs to work from home, you as a company need to make sure that they have what they need to be able to do their job or the the most part of their yeah. job in any case. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, because there's, you know, there's a risk of being too uh, funky on the culture and messaging and, and meeting side. The reality is in order to do a proper job, most people don't need yoga and meditation every day. Oh, yeah, they need a computer and a good internet connection, right? Yeah. A space within their home where they can do their job without being uh, disturbed over some periods of time, I won't say eight hours a day because that's impossible when, yeah. when you're at home with your family, but at least spend some time without being interrupted, interrupted. So infrastructure comes first. Second of all, because we are remote and because we miss the human, um, the human to human interaction, yeah. interaction and connection, touch points are more important than ever. Not just the, you know, I, if you were doing a monthly all hands, do it weekly. If you are doing a weekly all hands, do it twice per week. Okay. Uh, so increase the frequency of those of those touch points uh, because the people want to be together. Um, create the opportunity for them to be together. Increase the frequency of uh, of some of the one to ones. Pay particular attention to those people in, in your team who were the soul of the party uh, every time uh, <laughs> there was something going on in the office and. Um, because they might be uh, feeling the most, uh, you know, uh, anxious uh, yeah. and 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 frustrated right now in the in the midst of this lacking all all interaction. Um, there's listen, we're not all um, we're not all psychologists. We don't know how to deal with every. Um, uh, with every aspect of, of anxiety, of the anxiety that comes with with working remotely, but there are out there tools and and employee assistance programs. They're called in the United States. They they're called different names uh, yeah. here uh, in Europe or in Asia. Uh, there are such programs to help um, uh, if if your uh, if one of your employees needs to talk to to uh, to a specialist and um, and and discuss 
uh, anxiety or stress or whatever might derive from from this period of time. So this, these are just you know a few things in a nutshell. And again, start your start your all hands and and place in your all hands meetings those artifacts, those symbols, symbols of your of of culture that we were discussing previously. Give an example of something that has happened that exemplifies uh, that showcases your uh, your culture. And I want to go back to uh, to process itself. Uh, and again, a lot of our listeners are in the talent acquisition space, and a lot of them are doing video interviews and basically re- trying to redesign their their recruitment processes. How do you see uh, this new? Uh, how do you see the changes going on influencing the way the way uh, recruitment processes are done? Like, for example, what do you see as the main differences in hiring, you know, on site versus hiring remote? You mentioned, for example, UiPath, you had four or five steps in the process. Would you keep all of that four or five steps or how would you change them? Can you elaborate on that? So I I think everyone uh, listening to us who is working in the talent acquisition space knows that the best predictor for a person's performance in, in a job is their ability to actually do the job their knowledge, what's what, what uh, Daniel Payne calls mastery, right? The ability to actually perform yeah. uh, the job. So, and that doesn't change. Whether you're hiring uh, somebody remotely, uh, who's going to be working from their home or from, their, from a small co-working space uh, uh, somewhere in, I don't know, Asia or, uh, or Europe or the US, uh, that doesn't change. Um, what changes is that the person cannot come into your office to experience firsthand the the culture, right? Like I told you at UiPath, we would do four or five interviews. It was most often four. The last of those interviews was was happening in one of our offices and the person would get to meet, uh, well, more often than not, right? I'm not going to say it was the rule, but more often than not, it would happen uh, in one of our offices and the person would get to meet some of the team members, whether they were, you know, team members from within the same team or other teams in, in the company, but they would get the feel of, of the yeah. company, right? What does their office look like, right? Yeah. Is it, uh, what's the vibe? It, what's the energy? What's the vibe? What's, what's, the, what's the energy? So that piece is, is missing right now. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be missing forever. There are companies that, will return at the end of this to do business as usual. We'll get their teams together again. Um, But you need to expose these candidates to your culture, to what it looks like, what it feels like in the normal day-to-day operation of your, of your business in any way you can, whether uh, obviously the best method is, 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 is storytelling. And this is a great opportunity to create content. Um, so employer branding content, uh, articles, blog posts, audio visual, uh, videos, of course, um, uh, interviews with, with, with team members, um, podcasts, whatever, uh, helps others get into a glimpse into what your company even even you really know is. having your your glass door page up and running and making sure that that it that it it, it reflects at least a part of, of of what what you're doing yeah I'm, obviously the, this poses a problem right if you're if you're a, if you're a company who, who for for efficiency reasons has just i don't know laid off 30% of its 
workforce or maybe yeah. completely close down certain offices, um, uh, trying that's, that's to... Yeah, no, but trying to paint things in, in rainbowy colors yeah. right now to say this is what the culture looks like and it's actually a great vibe and we get along uh, just fine <laughs> is probably not the, the, the perfect idea. But there is a solution even, even for these companies. I think it's important to be honest. Yeah. It's important to be honest and to acknowledge, um, to acknowledge what, uh, what has happened and why you've had to make those calls, right? Um, to be really transparent. In, in, to be really transparent. The reality is... Even those companies we are accusing right now that, hey, during the, the heyday uh, years, uh, they were buying back their stock and not putting <laughs> cash aside to, to be able to go through a crisis. And now, right now, they're, they're asking for governmental support. Um, we, we need those uh, companies in our, economy, in our economies. In whatever country, they are among the largest employers. They yeah. are sometimes important national uh, brands. And we don't often, we don't always, we don't always like the stories that those brands tell as commercial or as employer brands. Yeah. But they are part of the larger story, right? Of what the economy in our country uh, looks like. So I think it's important even for them to acknowledge mistakes, to build the, less, to build the lessons they've learned into the, the, to weave them into the fabric of who they are today and to, um, to commit not to making those mistakes uh, again and start telling that story of, of what they've learned. I, so I, I think there's an exit for, for everyone from a branding, from an employer branding perspective. Uh-huh. And, and do, do you think, like I would imagine, you know, in, in, in terms of transparency and honesty, uh, at least for the first, I don't know, quarter or first six months uh, post-COVID-19, in the process, actually, one of your recruiters or whoever is doing the first step, being honest about, hey, this yeah. is what we did during the crisis. Yeah. We laid yeah. people off or we didn't. We just uh, reduced yeah. this with that or we grew or I don't know. Yeah. Or we didn't. Or we focused on existing customers and we over-indexed exactly. our activities exactly. for them. But, but, but be honest and the first, of the process, uh, first part of the process should be like not, hey, we are company X and uh, this many employees or whatever, but talking about honestly, this is what we did during this crisis. So this is what you, you should expect yeah. in, in a way for, from us with, with full honesty and transparency. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, and this is one, one would argue artifact, you know, exactly. It's an artifact of our culture. Setting your, 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 your first stone, if you want. Exactly. Now this, this doesn't answer, you know, the, the initial part of your, or the first part of your question, because I, I think I believe we believe that this should be the case whenever you're hiring, right? Now, a crisis presents an opportunity, uh, the, the opportunity to tell your story as it is and, you know, to present yourself in front of candidates and in front of customers, uh, you know, as, as, as you really are with, with, your, with your wounds uh, coming yeah. out of all this and, and talk about what you've learned and how you're going to, to, to heal yourself. Uh, it's, it becomes increasingly important when you're hiring remotely. Uh, because people don't, they'll, they'll look you up. What they're going to see is the glass door or the, the articles that have been published in this or on this or that website or online yeah. publication, right? Um, uh, oftentimes when you're hiring uh, people who work, you know, across 
the globe whom you're never going to meet uh, face-to-face in the interview process. That's all that they're going to uh, research. Know about you, yeah. yeah. Know, uh, know about you. So uh, I'm not saying that all the investment shouldn't go in, 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 in media and what information is, is, is put out there. I'm just saying that by being as authentic as you can in every conversation that you have with uh, with the candidate in everything, at least that you post on your own website or your own social media uh, channels, at least by, by doing that, you control a part, um, uh, a part of, uh, uh, a part of the narrative and, and people who really want to take a chance. Uh, I mean, this is a, this works both ways, right? The company takes a chance on a candidate. The candidate has to take a chance uh, and, and take a risk and, and work for that company. Uh, Typically, there has to be some co- compatibility, right? Um, and um, the way to, to ensure that that com- compatibility is there is by publishing as much as you can, that putting your story out there as much as you can, and the, the true, the authentic, uh, the authentic story. Um, and coming back to the practicality of it, there isn't a difference in terms of, of, of process, OP, because again, you want to make sure the person has the capacity to do the job that uh, they claim they can do. But obviously, if you cannot meet the person face-to-face by any means, I would over-index on reference checks, mm-hmm. right? contacting former employers, um, doing some, even some, some uh, background check on, um, yeah, of course, with the candidate's consent, wrong. but, but without... Uh, no, not me asking the candidate, please give me some references, but rather of course, going out there and researching a little bit more. So that becomes uh, more important. More important. Than, okay. Yeah. And speaking about skills, would, would you look for a specific skill, whether it's a, a, a new skill or just, again, over-indexing on some specific skills that, that you would need uh, when hiring a remote, a remote workforce? Like, I don't know, the ability to you know, work alone or the ability to uh, concentrate for three hours without being interrupted. Or, or the like ability that. to work with a cat in your lap. Exactly. <laughs> with, with, with your two sons screaming. Well, you know. one, one problem that we have, and we've had for a while now, uh, that organizations, large organizations, large global organizations have had for a while now, that I don't think they fully realized, is that everyone thinks they speak the same language, but they don't. Um, so English, uh, English skills, because English is the, and business English, right? This is the yeah. language we, we, we tend to use. Um, if, if I were hiring somebody who's supposed to, I'll just take an example, who's supposed to work out of Singapore or South Korea for my business right now, but who needs to interact with teams in India or Eastern Europe or the United States to get their job done, I would definitely want somebody who has worked in a global team before or a global company before and who is fluent in English because uh, I I mean just enough English wouldn't do it wouldn't the the candidate wouldn't make the cut they would need to be more a lot better a lot better than the average in their country to get the job and to have worked in a global company before Otherwise, it's it's 
impossible to do it. And it's actually, that was part of our experience at, at, at UiPath. It was part of my experience working for leading skill value before. We, you know, we were advising tens of customers back then who were looking to, uh, to expand um, uh, internationally. And interestingly enough, a, a lot of them had learned the lesson that you need to find someone local really well. So they would go, let's say, to France or to Germany and try to hire somebody local, right, who knew the local business ecosystem. What they were missing, though, was that they were hiring people who had not worked with with at least European, if not global companies Mm -hmm. before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, then the French office would become too French or the New York office would become too New (laughs) York-y, I don't know, (laughs) right? So um, I think in the context where you are building a new entity someplace, you're working, you're hiring, maybe you're hiring the person without ever without them even traveling to meet you, especially right now in this context, right? Then make sure they have worked in global companies before. And when you do the reference check, do include in your reference check people from across the globe they might have worked with or they should have worked with. Okay. Because basically, you know, people working in in a global company means they have been in a similar scenario, you know, working from home, working with different nationalities, working on different time zones, which means you're not in the office, which means you're maybe in a business lounge somewhere or in a hotel lobby or at home. Exactly. Or bed, which is kind of like a (laughs) COVID scenario, but uh, business as usual. So that that's a skill skill set that that someone yeah. should 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 use. and and the infrastructure that comes with it. Global companies do use you know uh, CRM tools, ERP tools, um, um, HR information systems. Okay, so basically they what you're saying they use all of those tools, and they're not local. Sure that they 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 have the the skill of of, of mastering these tools as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Starting it's implicit collaboration to uh, yeah, as you implicit. said CRMs, ERPs. Uh, Okay. Slack, Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I've heard a lot of people that they heard of Zoom for the first time, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. that, that's something to consider when uh, scaling or when hiring a, a remote f- workforce, e- even locally, regionally, you know, yeah. people from, from two different cities. It, it's the same principle, uh, whether it's 500 miles or 10,000 miles, it, it's the yeah. same principle, you know. Cool. Thank you so much for 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 joining me, Marius, in this in this talk. I think it was a it was a great talk, and that's all, folks. Uh, see you next time. Thank you, all people. Everyone, thank you so much for joining this episode of the Smartjumers podcast. If you enjoyed it and found the information valuable, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. You can also reach us at smartumors.com or check out our blog at smartumors.com forward slash blog. See you next time.